Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. Hello, and welcome back. Yes, welcome back to Chalker Checkups. Today we're going to be talking about mediumship. So don't get out your crystal balls just yet, but (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people, when they hear this, they probably think, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me and it's not important in my life and probably never will be. But actually that's a lot less true than many people realize. Why is that? Part of the reason that is true, is sheer numbers of people on the planet. There are so many people in such close proximity to each other, even more than when I was a child, In when I was born in the 50s. The population just wasn't as dense. And due to that fact, there are people with a lot of light and there are people with a lot of dark energy and If you're very close to them, that light energy or dark energy is moving into your field more often than you would ever have thought would have happened uh, 50 or 100 years ago. It didn't happen. So then your angels and your guides have to respond or do respond to protect you and keep you safe. On an everyday basis, people are literally in a sort of mediumship sparring match of darkness and light, even if they are not even aware of it. Yeah, what does that mean for our day-to-day lives? Well, it helps if you understand that some of this is mediumship. For our day-to-day lives, it means that it's good to be aware that if you go into a super supermarket or a big Costco with hundreds of people, that you can be affected by the dark energy that some of them may have. And that could make you sick or make you nauseous or give you a headache. But if you realize that that kind of thing can come into your energy and you say, no, I'm not going to allow that. And I'm going to have my angels and my guides surround me with gold light and keep them out and protect me, then you, you'll go in and you'll come out in a healthier and more positive way. And just by doing that, asking for that protection, initiating that protection and using it, you have engaged in a form of mediumship. Okay. Well, I want to kind of sum up because I think there's a lot of misconception between psychics mediums and shamans and some people may be claiming to be a shaman what what does that mean to be a shaman well okay i think psychic is kind of throwing everything in the basket no one really knows for sure what that means or maybe it means everything and maybe it means nothing so we'll put that one definition aside and focus on the shaman and the mediumship a shaman is someone that has healing ability 
they have a strong desire to help and heal people. And they're also strongly connected to nature and the elements. Okay. Those, those three things are pretty much integral to being a shaman. A medium is someone that probably has healing ability, usually does, but is someone that has ability to move into and out of other dimensions. Now, a shaman could also do this too. Mediums don't necessarily have to be associated to the elements or the plant world or use the various tools that shaman may use. Okay. And some, some mediums don't do as direct healing as shaman. A shaman oftentimes will do a healing type of thing more directly, whereas sometimes mediums will do that with another being. Technically, a shaman could also, but that could vary. They are very similar, but there are a little bit of differences. And the differences being just mostly a shaman's more of a hands-on healer? More of a hands-on and more really connected to nature, elements, plants, animals, things of that, that nature. Like kind of when we like look back at some of the tribals of having like the medicine woman and working with herbs and things. Right, right. Those would be more, that, that'd be more of a shaman. Whereas mediums don't necessarily have to have that particular interest. Okay. Or use those particular tools. You won't necessarily see a medium using uh, sage or rattles or necessarily using herbs. Now, some people like myself, I, I'm a pretty strong shaman and I also am uh, a very strong medium. But I look at them as different. But again, there are some similarities. Yeah, I guess I like if I'm hearing it in my mind, I would think like maybe a psychic is someone that, you know, has a little bit of telepathic abilities or something. And then a medium is someone that would work with angels and the shaman would be like top tier psychic person. That's a good way of looking at it. A shaman is somebody that's probably got more uh, versatility. Okay. So if someone is a shaman, would they have a lot of the same like mediumship capabilities? Very likely. Very okay. likely. Okay. So, but they may not have a crystal ball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, none of them. Have, I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> And don't, don't anybody buy me one because I don't want one either. <laughs> now I know exactly what to get you for Christmas next year. <laughs> so a medium is somebody that can easily move between dimensions, can see things between dimensions, feel things between dimensions, and is pretty comfortable in both places. A lot of times I think about it when I think about how I feel. Sometimes it feels like if there was a storm outside and it, you know, you're inside the house, everything is all air conditioned and super nice. 
and you've got your head sticking in outside and your body on the inside. There's part of you that is in one atmosphere and one condition, and there's part of you that is seeing a completely different okay. landscape or atmosphere. It's not necessarily that dramatic, but basically that is what's happening. Or another way to look at it is when, if I would, oftentimes I used to go to people's houses where they were having psychic disturbances and they would ask me to check it out. And when I would be looking around and feeling the house, it's sort of like you've got the whole layout and the design and everything of the house. And then there's another layer that is the other dimension in the like a transparency overlaid. Okay. So I would look at the house and then I would see in the transparency, well, there's a demon in that corner and a ghost here or, you know, things of that. Ask me to come to the house because their little boy wasn't sleeping. And I went into his bedroom and I said, well, um, he's not sleeping because he has an Oriel in his bedroom. And they said, well, what is this? And I said, well, they're kind of like gargoyles, but they're very much uh, associated to plants, trees. And so it's odd that he has one in his bedroom. I'm not sure how it got there. Did you have a tree in his bedroom? And they said, yes, we did. We had a ficus tree. Then we decided to take it out. We took it out. I said, when you took it out, did you move it really fast? And they said, well, yeah, it was heavy. My husband took it out and as quickly as he could because it was heavy. Yeah. I said, oh, well, that's the problem. You probably knocked the little creature out of the tree and now he's running around the bedroom trying to figure out how to get back in his tree and that's what's bothering your boy so i asked him do you still have the tree and they said yeah it's outside so i said well let's bring it in have the boy sleep in another room for the night then put it in the wagon or something and move it very slowly back outside and they did that and the little creature went back into his tree went outside and everything was good <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to see that and I could see what was going on and how it happened and um and that's what a medium does I could see both dimensions I could see the the disturbance and why and how and uh solve it okay and for a medium, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a practiced medium, that's all pretty simple. Of course, for people that don't have a, a clue, they're like, wow, that's like miraculous. <laughs> well, and I know you mentioned before that a lot of it ends up being misdiagnosis, schizophrenia as well. Yes, or some other sort of thing. They could have easily put this kid on some sort of drug for hyper active children or given them a sleeping compound or started to give them brain scans or whatever and actually there was nothing at all wrong with this kid this this little creature this little oriel was scurrying back and forth and back and forth in his room trying to find his tree yeah uh, that that was the problem 
and it was a really easy solve, which is, it's always nice when I walk into someplace and we can do something like that. But I love that. That's one of the things a medium does. You go in and you just look. And this is a situation where I didn't involve an angelic being or I didn't incorporate in any way another being into my consciousness. I was just using my ability to be in both dimensions and look at both dimensions and determine what needed to be done and do it. Okay. Uh, so being a medium is more just like the way of viewing you know, two dimensions at once? At times, yes. Yes, absolutely. It also involves at times having another being, an angel, an angelic being, uh, a teacher or master or ascended master although I, I hate to use the ascended master because that is so overplayed, but something, some other being like that come to you and start to uh, interact with you, either in giving you information or healing through you or actually taking over your consciousness. Mm -hmm. The most common is, of course, they just are uh, there maybe talking to you or possibly giving you some some advice or something of that nature or channeling as people call channeling information mm -hmm. i don't do a lot of that because channeling is tricky to tell who you're channeling right you know and for someone that is a new or just learning about their mediumship People have asked me, well, how do you know? And a lot of times you don't know. Unless you set a parameter yourself, you don't know who you're channeling. Um, part of the way you determine what you're channeling is by the quality of the message and the accuracy of the message. So when you're first getting started, that could be tricky because you don't know either of those things and you haven't had enough uh, background with whichever being you're working with to know for sure uh, either of you know what what it precisely is the quality and what precisely is the accuracy yeah so, and I guess let's back it up a little bit more in when we're talking about these people that are just developing their mediumship abilities uh, what are some signs that that is happening okay well one of the things that you'll notice if you're a medium, parts of your body inexplicably can get hotter and colder at the same time. Like your head might be very hot and the rest of your body very cold. Or your legs or feet may be very hot and the rest of you is normal. And this doesn't seem to relate at all to the weather. Another thing that is very common is feeling like wind is blowing into your body. Oftentimes blowing in a circle like a little mini tornado, but sometimes just a wind. And what that is from is when a, a spirit or a ghost or an angelic being actually goes through you, they'll sometimes, it makes like a feeling of wind blowing. And so that's something that a new medium oftentimes will feel something like that. They'll oftentimes, they'll have a feeling or a sense of 
being in two places at one time. And because they'll, they'll phase out, you'll phase out, and then you phase back. Something that can scare people, and that some it has happened to me a couple times. Sometimes you get you get nervous and you get caught between the dimensions. So you're moving into another dimension and then coming back and you kind of freeze. When that happens, if you open your eyes, you'll just see gray. You won't see anything. Okay. That would be really scary. Yeah. It freaks people out. And then they think, Oh my God, I'm blind or what happened? Or I don't know where I am. And, and then if you close your eyes and just relax for a few minutes, it, it, everything writes itself, but it does happen. It's just a freak out and you're, you just got caught in, there is actually a little space in between <laughs> and I guess yeah. people can get caught in it. <laughs> and I did have that happen one time. I didn't really particularly freak out about it. I just thought, Wow, I'm just in a great place. I wonder where that is. I didn't really think of it being in between, but then I, I got a better education about it down the road. But, uh, but that's something to know because that way, if it happens to you, don't freak out. Yeah. How many dimensions do you think there are out there? Probably innumerable. Uh, it's very hard to know. Yeah. That's like how many stars. Maybe there's one dimension for every star. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> there are a lot of places that places and there are a lot of dimensions. And and the other thing is there's sometimes there are books that say you're, you know, there's this, there's the astral, there's this, there's a these all these different places. I've never seen any road signs. I've never seen you are now in the astral, you're now in the upper realm, you're now you know, it's, sure. it's not very clear. Sometimes you'll be in a place that it's possible that you can find yourself in a place that looks pretty dark and funky. And uh, you don't know precisely where you are. You can look around and get a feel for, you know, is this a nice place or does this feel safe or does this feel awkward or something of that nature, but you don't have any real obvious road signs or street signs or anything like that telling you where you are do you get a certain feeling when you're in between dimensions like when you are i don't know i guess conscious of another dimension at the same time do you get like a certain feeling that that's what's happening i get a kind of a little phasing, like a, almost like when you're falling asleep and you get in that kind of fuzzy spot or when you're just waking up and your consciousness is sort of awake and then you're kind of fuzzy and then you get sharp again. Okay. I have that kind of a feeling. It's very short that you have that. And if I'm looking like, like I'm trying to solve something for a family or something, and I've been on the on the astral or in another dimension checking it out and coming back for just a few minutes, my eyes are out of focus. And it takes a moment to get back to a regular focus. So I'll have to blink a few times and stuff and to kind of 
bring back the focus to the regular room and the regular people and okay. see things, you know, the way they normally look. So there is a kind of effect on your physicality. Yeah. What other effects does being a medium have on you? Well, you know, a lot of mediums um, are not very healthy. And part of that has to do with not managing what they're doing very well. A lot of both, both just highly powerful psychic people and mediums haven't really adapted to being in the amount of intense energy and light that they have to go in to do what they do. So it's almost like it's too much. And you go into something and you do this very intense work and you're doing it under a lot of light, a lot of a lot of white light, gold light, and intense energy. And then there's a tendency when they come out, and I, I had a conversation with somebody just yesterday. She said, for some reason, my my psychic ability makes me want to drink a lot. And I'm having a problem with that. And I said, well, that's because you you come out of that and you're you're uncomfortable with both the concept and the, the strong feeling of being in that much high energy and you want to come down and mm. be, be like grounded, be a human again, sort of. And so one of the things that you do is drink, you know, or eat right. a ton of sugar or uh, I knew one psychic that she would just, she would just be talking about all the health consciousness and all of this stuff. And an hour later, you could find her uh, in a bar eating pork ribs and doing shots, you know, just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was just trying to get down, you know, bring her body and bring everything down and, and ground that energy because she couldn't get grounded. This is why I'm always telling people be in your body, because when you're in your body, then it's less likely to happen. Sometimes I would do work and then I want something very, very sweet because sugar is very grounding and that's not very healthy. So it's difficult. And the other thing is, is psychics tend to put on weight because the physical weight helps to ground that energy. And I, I've always had a little bit of trouble with weight. So there's all of that. And uh, the ones that are really out of control will, will make themselves very sick. So they, there's a tendency for mediums not to live real long time, to be honest. And does that just have to do with how much time they're spending like in their body? Like they don't have their soul running the engine? Well, yes, I think that's a great factor. I think that's a big factor. I put someone in their body. I did it over the phone actually yesterday. And she said, oh, my God, this is amazing. I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been here. <laughs> I don't think she'd ever been in her body consciously for years and years. Maybe, maybe yeah. never. I don't know. She was stunned and she was having health issues. So if you're, if you're a medium and you're going and you're doing, going into this very different energetic than we have here on this plane, 
and you're not doing anything to ground you and you're not keeping your soul and your body and balancing your energy, then you're going to have problems. And if you try to solve those problems with alcohol, drugs, or sugar, you're going to have more problems. Yeah, so how can we like ground ourselves after we have a mediumship ability take place breathing breathing is really good toning is really good sometimes you can go out and walk barefoot on the grass or go into the ocean or take a hot bath all of those things work really well okay do something natural and something that is tactile and that helps you feel your body and that's cleansing and you know it's good for you going the other direction for those that want to hone their skills of being a medium or um trans mediumship like how does one practice that well trans mediumship means that there's full trans mediumship and there's partial trans mediumship Partial transmediumship is when a being or an angel or a master or teacher from another plane comes to you and does something through your body. Like they might reach their hand into your hand and then do a healing. Or they might put their vocal cords into your vocal cords and sing a song something of that nature i had in uh in hawaii i had a little little lady come and sit next to me in the lava tube and sing a song through my voice i've also had a woman come and tap me on the shoulder and then sing through me so things like that are partial trance mediumship. You're still completely conscious of what's happening and you are completely in control. You could stop it at any time. You're never not in control, but you're allowing this other being to work through you. That may sound kind of challenging and strange, but actually... Anybody who ever says a prayer is also doing the same thing. They're allowing some other energy to come through them. They're asking the divine to do something with a certain outcome. Mm -hmm. They're asking for divine energy or divine light or divine influence to influence what's happening in their life. And it's really very much the same. It's just a little bit more extreme when you're doing it as a trans medium. Mm-hmm. In a full trans mediumship, which I've also done, you actually, a divine being comes and just takes your consciousness and puts it in light and then steps into your body and has complete control over your body and you have no consciousness of what's going on with your body. You're still conscious, but you don't know what's going on with your body until they put you back. All right. So they've kind of borrowed you as a vessel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In um, in Brazil, they talk about you're the mule. <laughs> and they, they're riding the mule or something of that nature. <laughs> but yes. Yes. Uh, 
what about like clairvoyance and clairaudience and those are those all mediumship uh, yes abilities as well yes yes almost all psychic abilities are also mediumship abilities it's just that some people don't have the whole array of stuff going on they might just have one thing they're just telepathic and they don't do any mediumship and they don't do any healing or so they're just a telepath but most mediums have most of it going on they'll be somewhat clairaudient they're somewhat clairvoyant they're healers they're definitely seers they're going interdimensional they're having beings work through them sometimes they're in full trans mediumship things of that nature okay yeah so how do we practice and hone our skills well here's the thing there's a lot of things that you can learn like you could learn how to be a remote viewer or there's certain healing techniques you can learn to do and be pretty successful at but to some degree mediumship that's not necessarily that way if you're not born with a certain capacity for mediumship you may not be able to learn it you could possibly learn some other psychic skills but mediumship is kind of a gift that is bestowed on someone from birth and a lot of times it comes through a family line my grandmother was she wasn't that much into spirituality but she was very much a medium mm-hmm. kind of on the dark side because she read a lot of goth novels and she really wasn't like i said very spiritual but she did a lot of strange stuff <laughs> but you could tell she she was a medium uh she just wasn't doing very much with it the other thing is being a medium often involves a second party and there is no course that you can take that can make an angel come to you mm-hmm. it's completely up to that angel and even if you're practiced you can't make that angel come to you this has always made me very suspicious of people that are doing a lot of channeling and things because in my experience you can't get them to come unless they want to come so what do you do on the day if you've got an audience and they don't come mhm it it could be awkward or you have to be a really good actor right exactly i wasn't going to say that but i'll let you say <laughs> but uh and even with the best best psychics and mediums that i've known it's variable it's variable when i was in brazil and i had this what they call feather caboclo come to me and start to work with me there were some people were very upset about that because there were people that had tried to attract one to them for over 20 years and they're like who are you and why are you getting to have one and i didn't even know what was going on i was like i was completely lost i had no clue what was going on why this this being was hanging out with me what it meant how important it was 
it was all just completely new to me. I'd never heard anything about this. So I don't know. I didn't know why it attracted to me. Maybe I had many past lives in South America. I have no idea why me, but it actually upset some people. There was one guy in particular. He thought that if there was another Kaboka was going to come, he was the next one. He was pretty sure he was going to get the next one. And then it showed up and started to work with me and he was upset about it. So it's not something that you can. What about, I mean, I, I guess like in, in my reading, for example, you said that I have like some Claire audience. Is there a way for me to like practice skills or be more in touch with that? Well, yes, there is one thing. Well, I know this is redundant, but meditation practice is very good for all mediumship skills. Because when you meditate, you open up the possibility of moving into another realm. And that that opens up the possibility of it's easier for you to get more in touch with those skills that you have. And also with your teachers and masters on the other side, which they can give you a lot of information or help you energetically to improve your skills. The other thing that helps you with both mediumship or any psychic ability is willingness, is to be really willing to step into it. A lot of times people have it and they're interested and and they sort of want it to work, but they're also hesitant mm-hmm. and not really sure what that would all mean if they became a seer or a medium do i have to go buy a crystal ball what do i do you know (laughs) (laughs) so in a way they're holding themselves back at the same time they want to go forward and uh, that of course sets sends really mixed messages to their angels so their angels are like i don't know what they want you know they don't know what they want so we're not going to do anything right so the more you just clarify what you do want or what you're willing to experience, what what abilities you're willing to bring forth, that could be very important. I've had several people uh, in the last couple of weeks that have power objects in their throat. And I tried to tell them, if you have a golden power object in your throat and you have a heart, uh, a gold heart and the ability to heal with your heart, this literally means that you could heal with your voice. You could say to a child, I'm sure you will get well. And as you say those words, heal that child. Yeah, which would be incredible. It would be incredible. But some of those people, when I, tell them that they're like whoa 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 (laughs) i'm not sure about that right sometimes they're not quite ready to to step into being the i say you're well and you're well place that seems a little overwhelming but nonetheless the gifts are there right i see see so many people that have gifts and the only thing that is holding them back really is them just in the willingness to be acceptant of their gifts yes the willingness to be accepting of them their willingness to step in to them willingness to just even to say to their angels okay bring it on 
if I'm a medium, bring it on. Or to put yeah. yourself in the situation like I did. I just flew to Brazil. I didn't know any of the language. I said, bring it on. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out how strong my mediumship is, what's going on, what I can do, what I can't do to as much as I can. Yeah. Sometimes I've just done things to just challenge myself, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I remember I went on, <laughs> I, I did one ayahuasca work where I said, okay, if I have any fear left in the universe anywhere, bring it on. I want to experience it all now. Okay. I'm going to drink this ayahuasca, bring it on all my fear forever. God. Bad idea. <laughs> really, really bad idea. <laughs> I was literally frozen in fear, like literally could not move a muscle. And a couple of people came up to me afterwards and said, impressive. You didn't even blink the whole time we were doing that ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and when I came out of it after, after all that fear, I was actually sort of really pissed off. I think pissed off partly my own stupidity that I would do something like that. And I said something like, well, screw you, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I was not in a very good mood. Yeah. And then I noticed someone smoking a cigarette and went over and said, I don't smoke, but blow a lot of that smoke on me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, you have to be willing to uh, experience some of this stuff. And there might be some limits to that too. <laughs> But the more you are willing and, and to go through whatever, the more power and acceptance you achieve, the more your different abilities will open up. Yeah. And some people, they move through stuff like like a rocket. And other people, it can take years, you know, well, five years, they get a little bit and they're like, wow, that was a lot. I'll, you know, and they kind of back off and then another year goes by and then a little bit more they're moving at their own pace and that's okay yeah it, it's really up to the person what they feel comfortable and what they feel is acceptable and that's that's fine in the angelic realm in the other realms time is very different than here so it could take you 10 years but to them it's about like a minute or 10 minutes or something so your angels don't get impatient waiting for you. It's really up to you, up to you how much you want to do, how much you want to experience. But you have to put in some effort and some work. And if you want to find out if you are a medium, I mean, if you suspect you might be, and probably if you suspect you are, you are, and you want to open that up, then one of the things you have to do is put yourself in some medium settings and that doesn't exist in a lot of places yeah like what kind of settings are you talking about well in in shamanic circles so for the most part in this country there there aren't a lot of options one is the american indians if you can get in on ceremonies in sweat lodges or or some of their ceremonies that would be one place because 
a lot of what they're doing is very mediumistic. Uh, the other thing would be to do uh, an ayahuasca thing. It, that's extremely mediumistic. That's what ayahuasca is very, very much oriented towards mediumship, opening up everything from the other side into the other dimension. You can set up your own ceremonies like a, a white table and... I might have mentioned this before, but a white table is just simply where you put a white tablecloth on a table, hopefully a wooden table, but it doesn't really matter. And maybe a candle and some flowers. And then you have people come and sit around the table, give everybody a little notebook in case they want to write down something that comes to them. You'll, you think you're going to remember, but you often don't remember if you're in a state of mediumship and an angel says something to you and you think, I will remember that. Trust me, 10 minutes later, you won't. So you want to write it down. And then you just uh, start with maybe some music or a, a meditation. And then you just set and ask your angels and your guides to come and uh, open up your mediumship and just see what happens. And if someone feels like all of a sudden they've got a, a being with them and the being saying, go over there and, you know, put your hand on someone and heal them. You, you do that. Okay. How long does a white table usually last? Or if someone's trying to put one together, like kind of what's the, the guideline of an itinerary? Usually I, I would think you'd format it to about maybe 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. Kind of like a long group meditation. Yeah, like a long group meditation. Well, a little bit of meditation and then, you know, a quiet time and then maybe a sharing time afterwards. Okay. Just sort of let it flow. If someone started a group white table like that, the more you do it, then your angels and your guides, they adapt to the fact this is happening and after a few sessions, it gets stronger and stronger. Okay. And, and then people are beginning to get more things going on and more impulses to do healing or various different things. Right. So it's just one of those things of not getting too frustrated if nothing happens the first time. Right. Well, in fact, it's not possible for nothing to happen, but it might not be anything that's all that interesting for you. Okay. If you all if you all set together and you begin to balance your energies together, that might not be something that you necessarily feel or or realize is happening, but you are making progress. I see. So it, so it takes a little bit of it takes a little bit of practice and patience. It's just like that guy that got angry about the uh, the being that came to me in Brazil. He had been practicing and, and and patiently waiting for this being to come to him for 20 years 20 years he'd been doing it right and he hadn't got anything he was anticipating he was going to be the next one and it didn't happen he was a little bit angry about that but so that's a long time to try to wait for a result right a few white tables is really nothing yeah, but they can be very they can be very beautiful, and that's a nice way to spend uh, an evening. Yeah, is this 
one of those things like the more you gather together the more powerful the ceremony can be or is it better in like a small group um well that's two separate questions but yes the more you gather together the more powerful it it will be it is not necessarily better in small groups but you definitely don't want to change up the group constantly and you want to make sure that everyone is pretty much on the same page when you do have your group you don't want to have people with different agendas showing up every week and trying to put forth a different agenda because that can kind of mess with what you've got going on gotcha yeah so what are would be like a typical agenda or intention that someone would have for a white table uh messages from other beings like uh are possible like if someone had a guide that they want to hear from or a relative that they possibly wanted to hear from or if somebody wanted a message that is going to help for the growth of their their soul or their being from their teacher something of that nature Okay. A lot of times people have gotten, uh, when I've been in white tables, many people have received very nice messages they would write down and then they would read to the group. Okay, that's cool. So you're saying like everyone at the white table should be kind of on the same page of like wanting to receive messages? No, they should just, you know, you don't want someone to come and say, hey, well, while you're doing a white table, uh, maybe we should try... I don't know, you know, doing yoga postures or something like that. You don't want someone to come and try to change the format. Gotcha. You want to stay with what you're doing, the kind of a similar format, similar intention. Your intention is for building connection to your guides and, and the angelic beings that are with you and opening your mediumship and opening your connection. Okay. I think that's super helpful for anyone out there that wants to start a little group and kind of have a a base of how to do it and how many people to gather and everything like that. So that I think that's super helpful. I did that for many years with a, a group. We had about oh, maybe 30, well, it varied from week to week, but between 10 and 14 people in our group. And most of the time it was quite entertaining and uh, oftentimes it was pretty illuminating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was very interesting. Um, and I think everybody learned a lot from it. Enough so that nobody was really wanting to drop out of the group. I mean, it stayed strong years. People really wanted to come and they liked what they were getting out of it. So it was a worthwhile thing to do. Mm-hmm. So your mediumship is something that, I mean, it's a gift. It's not something that you have to do anything with. And people should be clear about that is with all your psychic gifts, it's just like if you had the ability to play the piano, you don't have to play the piano. If you are a medium, you don't have to be a medium. You don't have to use that. If you're a healer, you're not required to go around and heal anybody. 
mm-hmm. you always have the ability to say no. And in no, at no time will you ever not have control of what's going on. Even when you do full transmediumship, you have decided to let this happen. It's not like you're been take over been taken over and you're in an unsafe situation. Mm-hmm. It's not like a demonic trance or something of that nature. You you're always in charge and you always have the option. And there have been times when I've had a being wanted to channel something to somebody um and it was a very inconvenient time and so I just said no. Right. I strongly believe that if the angels want something, a message delivered, and I'm not there to deliver it, they have the means to find another way to get the message across. So you're not necessarily the only option, and you shouldn't ever feel like you have to be the only option. Mm -hmm. At the same time, that it's, I think, something that adds a lot of life and light and joy to your life to use your psychic abilities and to use your mediumship abilities and see just how much you can get them to grow in one lifetime Mm -hmm. generally i think people that do that they feel more fulfilled and they feel like they are doing something that they're destined to do yeah i mean i think it's nice to always have some clarity of why are we all here and what's my purpose on this planet so (laughs) What are we all doing here? <laughs> well, maybe not all of us, but what? Are, how about the ones at this white table? What are we doing here? Right. <laughs> well, and one of the things you can do at a white table is you can do group healings if you wanted to. You could uh, pick different people that need or request healing and heal them as a group. And a group healing is can be very effective because someone in that group might be very good at a certain type of focus and another person might be very good at sending a certain color of light. And when you mix that all together, it becomes very potent and very uh, effective. Do you have to be a medium to be a healer? No, you do not have to be a medium to be a healer. Healing is more than anything is a loving intention to want to heal someone. And almost everybody has love in their heart. I think almost everybody, well, I'd say everybody does. Some people have completely shut it down, but it at least latently is in everybody's heart. And anybody that has love has healing ability because love heals. Some people have tremendously strong love and light in their heart. And of course, that makes them much stronger, a much stronger and more potent healer than other people. Mm -hmm. But whatever value you have in your ability to love and be compassionate, you can, if you say you wish to send that to someone, just like you would send any thought or thought form, that goes to that person and that will affect that person. And that makes you a healer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that you describe it makes it sound a lot more simple than having to go find a healer to heal you. 
Well, it is a lot more simple and, and it's a lot quicker. I think we've gotten the idea in the spiritual community that things have to be complicated and you've got to take long courses and you've got to do all this things stuff mm -hmm. to have an effect. Mm -hmm. And I just don't believe that that's true. Um, I was working with someone, um, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before yesterday. And I was just telling her how she could do what I do by taking a piece of paper and writing an outline of this person and declaring that person an avatar and then do the healing on the little person on the piece of paper. And then to demonstrate it to her, I said, okay, now there you are, you're in Texas and I'm here in Oregon and I'm going to scan over you. So I said, I'm scanning over you now. Okay. Well, what I'm noticing is on your hand, it looks like your hand is coming up hot. And she went, Oh my God. Well, I was just stung this morning by a bee. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, that's why it's coming up hot. So I'm going to just visualize wrapping that, that hand. All, we're going to wrap it all up in gold gauze right now with the angels. And just like it has a big gold mitten on it, and it's going to feel wonderful. And I did that, and she said, oh, my God, it's getting better. <laughs> 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 and, and that's it and, and, and how much more complicated does it have to be than that yeah I mean it doesn't have to be very complicated I think we're just used to having other people tell us more about our bodies than what we know like even doctors we rely on what they say instead of relying on how we feel and the very fact that we do believe that blocks some of the healing of capability yeah and and the reception and i don't think that there's almost nothing if you're alive and you have something going on i think it could be healed yeah some of that would be in the category of extremely miraculous and some of that would be of course it can be healed but I think, that, <laughs> I think it's possible if you're still alive to be healed. And I have come across many people that were in the category of this could never be healed that were healed. Yeah. Including one woman who had end stage pancreatic cancer. One woman that had severe, severe stomach cancer. My own mother who had 17 lymph nodes and a radical mastectomy with severe breast cancer who was now that was when she was 70 she's now 93 so I've seen a lot of people be healed yeah personally not just heard of them but actually have been personally associated to these miraculous healings and a lot of people that did have these miraculous ceilings didn't think of them as all that miraculous, but the way it should be. Well, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it is kind of nice. And that's one of the things that mediums do is they help to connect you to the angelic being and then run the energy through their body 
that helps you to heal. I didn't heal the person's bee sting. The angels did. I'm just an extension cord. When I die, they'll plug in somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be healed by the same angel that when I was around, but just somebody else in between. That's yeah. what a medium is. In between. We're the medium point. We're the in-between point between here and whoever. And we're we're connecting them. We're connecting the dots. Yeah. I'm a dot connector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking back to when you said you don't know where the messages are coming from and stuff as well of is there indications that they're coming from angels versus other beings or well i said that when you first get going you don't know i oh, mean I, I know i'm i'm very clear where my my messages are coming from but i've had years of experience with the same beings i right. talked to them face to face and as you get going you're you will but when you're first starting and you just hear a voice or something you don't know that voice necessarily and you uh, it's best to say i want only to channel my my angels my teachers and my higher beings and only that which is safe it's very smart to do something like that i actually was to one group I went to, I didn't go very many sessions to this group, but they just would say, we want any being that will come to come. Uh-huh. And, and I went, oh, no, that's a very bad idea. It could be very dangerous. Yeah. A demon could come. That's a being. Um, you know, if you're saying anyone that can, wants to come can come, then you just put everybody at grave risk. Yeah. So you should be careful. You should be careful. And like I said, if you if you get a bad message, then it's not it's not an ideal uh, it's not a good voice. Just like that nurse, I had this nurse that had a voice that said it was the Virgin Mary and told her to give wrong medicines to her patients. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that that voice wasn't even female. It was a ghost of a male that had died. And I saw him. I could see who it was. And I just told him to shut up and go away. Mm -hmm. And she was like, can you say that? When a voice says something, can you say that? Absolutely. Yes, you have a choice. You're not victimized. You don't have to do what any voice says. How do you differentiate what voice you're hearing if it's a ghost or one of your angels or another being? Well, you ask that it is your angel, but if, like I said, if the message is an angel will never say anything to subvert, subvert your will. So an angel won't say buy a Cadillac and drive to New York. Right. They would never do that. Uh, they can't tell you to do anything. So an angelic message will always be something like, we are with you, you, we join you in the light, you, you know, like that. It's something that's sort of, in a way, boring and generic, and, but loving and non-invasive. Okay. But something tells you to go do something. 
Did it end up being so like the- a property flip? No, they lost money and they spent thousands of dollars making the trip each time. It just it maybe <laughs> was beneficial in that. <laughs> maybe it was the telepathic uh, real estate agent in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you don't like the message, just discard the message. Okay. <laughs> if it doesn't sound spiritual and it doesn't sound like something you're willing to do, don't do it. But overall, your mediumship, your psychic ability, your telepathy, your kinetic ability, all of that is a great blessing. And it's a dimension of your life that people have turned off that should be just part of our everyday life if you ask me and I think getting to know that getting comfortable with it and understanding that just makes our lives richer makes our healing more available to us and connects us all in a in a very uh profound loving way Mm -hmm. yeah I gotta get a group of people here to start a white table in this area i'll be excited to hear how that goes yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'll keep you updated (laughs) or i'll just tune in and i'll find out anyway (laughs) there you go (laughs) (laughs) it's like a creepy version of uh parents tracking the phone Like, don't worry, I'll just show up in your white table <laughs> energetically. I didn't quite mean it that way. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> I will call you and update you on the white table. And uh, I hope that this is helpful for other people wanting to hone mediumship abilities or if they're confused about what might be happening with them this like clears some things up and um i know that i would love to hear from other people's experience so please call in and ask questions you know write uh how it's going and and let us know absolutely and we'd love to we'd love to put your questions on uh one of our podcasts and answer them There's a link in the podcast description to send us a voicemail. We will have another episode for you next week. Talk to you then.